How are you? I've been up since 347. I was so excited to see you guys. Good to see you this morning. If you're here for the first time, I'm Ron, uh, lead pastor of the church. Love to meet you after the service. I'll be out in the parking lot. We've got great people out there. And then please join the party across the parking lot that Brady mentioned, Connect Weekend. We had a great time last night. Got a great party for you today. Uh, I want to make an announcement. Brady just made some announcements. My announcement is about Brady. So if Brady would come back up here. So if you guys, uh, if you're new to the church, Brady's our next-gen pastor, as he mentioned earlier. He came on a year ago this month and has done a great job raising up leaders. Our next-gen ministry has never been stronger, never been better, and uh, he's got all kinds of great intangible qualities. His story of hope about how God has changed his life has breathed hope into our church. Uh, he's been used by God to bring freedom to many of you in your stories and your lives. And the only thing we don't like about Brady is he is an Alabama football fan. So, you know, everybody's got a weakness or two. No. Yeah, no one, no one responded. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, Brady, I, I knew very early on that he wanted to plant a church, and he kept going to all kinds of church planting hangouts, and so he, he came clean with me almost right after he started working for us. That he wanted to plant a church, but we didn't know when. And uh, I started sensing several weeks ago that the win was going to be this year. And then Brady and I talked a couple Mondays ago. He was in Walmart with a very long uh, <laughs> list of diapers and groceries and stuff. And we started talking. He was kind of nervous because he wanted to tell me that God had led him to the same conclusion. I said, Brady, time out. Don't worry about it. Two weeks ago, God told me you're supposed to plant a church. Mm. And so, Brady, will you share us a little bit about what God has laid on your heart and on Bridget's heart? Yeah, so uh, around six years ago, we just felt this dream to, to one day plant a local life-giving church. We had no idea what that looked like. It was super scary. And uh, so over the, the last few months, God's continued to stir in our hearts about it. And so our plan is to plant Fresh Hope Church in the South Denver suburbs uh, in September 2020 of this year. Uh, Come on, put our hands yeah. together. Uh, It's Fresh Hope Church because that's our story. God breathed fresh hope into our lives at 2 Corinthians 5.17, and we believe that Jesus has fresh hope for our city uh, in this next season. And we're just so thankful for Ron and Jill and the staff here and, and for you guys because over this last 13 months that we've been here plugged into this community, you guys have helped raise us up uh, to send us out. And we wouldn't be at this place without the love and encouragement of each of you and for Ron and the staff. So we love you so much. We're so excited. Good news. Yeah. Uh, Brady's going to be on with us until May 1st, so through Easter. And uh, during that time, he'll be kind of doing parallel work, working in his church plant while he's also leading our next ministry. And I, I've told Brady, and if you're new to our church, we're a church planting church. Uh, by the end of this year, we have planted somewhere around 40 churches. Uh, we see ourselves as not a lake church, but a river church. You know, a lot of churches try to hang on to everybody and hang on to the resources and hang on to the leaders. Uh, we believe we're like a river and that a lot of people are going to be coming through our church and growing here and coming to faith and becoming disciples and often going out and planting new churches. And so we're going to freely give Brady as much as we can. We're going to support him financially. I've told him to take his fishing license and start getting people, and he's already begun that. I've talked to a few of you who have already been recruited. I, I do have a short list of people he can't have because Brady will ask for anything. <laughs> so I said, you can't have my wife, you can't have my kids, you can't have Jill or the worship or Kyle. There's a few people you can't have, okay? All right. <laughs> All right, let's pray for Brady. Father, thank you so much for Brady and Bridget and all the wonderful ways they have blessed our church. And uh, thank you for the joy of being a part of a Fresh Hope Church as it gets started this next year. We pray for a favor that you would give them everything they need, people, money, place, gear. We pray for resources. We also pray that as they try to discern exactly where you want them to be, that you would, you would help them dial that in soon 
And uh, we, we pray that you would use this church, Father, to lead thousands and thousands of people to Jesus and to make disciples, to make disciples for generations to come, and to also be a church planting church. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Yeah. <laughs> That man is freed up. <laughs> He's been wanting to do that for a long time. Uh, okay, uh, we are in a series called Pray First. And if you didn't get a bracelet, you can have one. These bracelets are a reminder to us that we're going to make prayer a priority as a church. And this is going to be, become a, an annual part of our rhythm. We did this last year where we just take the first month or so of the year and just focus on God. And uh, we have all kinds of resources for you on our app. There's a Bible reading plan. There is a prayer guide uh, what else we have? We, we have, oh, we have prayer meetings on Saturday morning. We do prayer walks Monday night. We have a prayer meeting here. And so uh, take, take advantage of the resources that we're offering you. Uh, our desire is that at an individual level, we'd seek God's will for our lives as we enter a new year, a new decade, and, and the same is true for us as, as a church. Um, we're also going through the Lord's Prayer. Uh, 2,000 years ago, the disciples came to Jesus. They said, Jesus teaches how to pray, and he gave them this prayer. And so we're, we're learning how to pray it together. And we're getting better, by the way. Every single week, we're getting better at doing this, don't you think, out loud, in spite of my poor leadership? You're like, you're not so sure, are you? Let's try it again. Here we go. Ready? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we've also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Other versions say, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Amen. So each week we're taking a line. This week we're taking uh, verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. And we're going to learn how, as self-sufficient, affluent Denverites, what it means for us to pray for our daily bread. Because most of us have plenty of bread, right? But uh, there's, there's deeper meaning to that verse that we'll be uh, delving into here in a second. We need to speak to the fact that we have a lot of people in our church that are uh, new to faith, lots of new Christians, lots of non-Christians still coming. And then we have people who've been walking with Jesus for a really, really long time. And those of us who've been walking with Jesus for a long time, we sometimes forget what it's like to be new in the faith. And then we have certain people in the church that are like prayer savants. Like we get, we get in a circle before uh, we have these worship services and members of our prayer team, sometimes they pray these incredibly poetic prayers. And a little sidebar, if you want to be on our prayer team, we'd like to strengthen our prayer team. And so put prayer team on the back of the connection cards. We will not ask you to pray out loud, but we'll send you the prayer request every week via email and you can pray with us. But some people on this team are amazing, like Shakespearean amazing. I think, I think sometimes I hear them pray and I want to start clapping. I even think God wants to. I think God's like, whoa, angels, come around. Let's, let's put this in the playlist. That was beautiful. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, but, but most of us, we're not there. <laughs> In fact, we have a lot of people new in our church like, man, please, please, please do not ever ask me to pray out loud. And I remember that stage. I remember when I was a new believer, I'd go to church, I'd go to a small group, and I would literally pray, God, I'll do anything. I will go to Africa for you. Just don't ask me to pray out loud, okay? Please. And uh, I want to I assure you that, that however you pray, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Like however you pray, whatever first prayers you're praying, whatever steps you're taking towards becoming a person of prayer... God enjoys that as much as he enjoys the Shakespearean prayers of the people in our church who are really beautiful praying. Amen? I, 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 got, a, I got a few neighbors, and we're, gonna, you know, we're starting small groups. And I'm going to have a small group with mainly, uh, most of the guys are not followers of Jesus yet. One guy's a brand new follower of Jesus. And, and my neighbor is going to be a part of this group. He was like two blocks around the corner from me. And we started walking together in the park. 
early last year, and uh, I asked him, do you ever pray? And he said, no, never prayed in my life. And kind of like me, he comes from an irreligious background where you just didn't pray. And then I asked him the same question a few weeks ago, and he was going through some bumps in his life, and I said, do you pray yet? And he goes, actually, I've been praying a little bit. And so I said, well, how do you pray? And he looked up in the sky, and he said, God, I'm effed, please help. (laughs) Although he did not abbreviate. And uh, I thought, you know, that'd be a great title for our series. God, I'm effed, please help. And I thought, yeah, better not. (laughs) I need my job. But I I think God, uh, I think he loves that kind of prayer. That's a, that's a childlike kind of prayer. And so what I want to talk to you about today is how do, we, how do we as adults, how do we pray like children? And I want to suggest to you that praying like children requires that we be honest, humble, and grateful. You up for that? All right, let's, let's ask God for some help. Uh, Jesus, uh, we pray with your disciples 2,000 years ago. Lord, teach us to pray. And all of this to your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so first of all, honest prayer. Uh, last week we talked about how Jesus did this. In the Garden of Gethsemane, we talked about how three times God said, I want you to go to the cross. Three times he said, rather not, rather not. And then he finally went and he said, God, you've forsaken me. So we we see this example of honesty in the life of Jesus. And we talked about how he went to the cross, not just the humiliation of being in front of sisters and brothers and being naked on the cross wasn't the only reason he didn't want to go. It was bearing the weight of the sins of the world and tasting hell for all of us in that moment when he was separated from his heavenly father. We will spend all of eternity Understand the depth of God's love as we understand at deeper and deeper levels the depth of his sacrifice. Amen? But he was honest. And Jesus learned to pray by praying the Psalms. He likely had the Psalms memorized. And the Psalms encouraged us to be brutally honest with God, to pray our tears and our fears and our shame and our guilt. And there's this one Psalm that I think is, in my opinion, the most honest Psalm in the whole Bible. And they're all very honest, but this one's brutally honest. Uh, it's prayed by David, who was called a man after God's own heart. And, and he had been betrayed by a friend, and he just comes unhinged in this prayer. Okay? So ask yourself if you were taught to pray this way as we go through it. And I, I want to warn you, I always laugh when I read this, and most people don't, but I have a very dark sense of humor. <laughs> this is David. Appoint someone evil to oppose my enemy, this man he, who has betrayed him. Let an accuser, and some theologians say that means Satan. Let, let Satan or an accuser stand at his right hand. May Satan be his best friend. When, when he's tried, let him be found guilty. And may his prayers condemn him. May his days be few. May another take his place of leadership. May his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. It's not bad enough that he wants this man to have you know, curses cast upon him. Now he's going after his wife and his kids. May his children be wandering beggars. May they be driven from their ruined homes. May a creditor seize all he has. May strangers plunder the fruits of his labor. It's not enough that his kids are homeless and don't have a home, but now he wants the creditors to come and take the shirts off everyone's back. May no one extend kindness to him or take pity on his fatherless children. May his descendants be cut off, their names blotted out from the next generation. May the iniquity of his fathers be remembered before the Lord. So now he's going up the family tree. May the sin of his mother never be blotted out. Now he's telling like mama jokes here to God. (laughs) Cursing his mom. And may their sins always remain before the Lord, that he may blot out their name from the earth. How many of you were taught to pray this way? (laughs) Is this right up there with Jesus loves me, this I know? Yeah. So I I wasn't taught to pray as a kid, but when I started walking with the Lord, I definitely didn't pray prayers like this. 
And uh, I was always the good son, trying to be the good kid, you know, please the coaches and please the teachers and please the parents. And, and besides that, I always have felt like emotions are kind of annoying because I'm a goal guy. And I, so I've learned to put my emotions over here and go, you just stay over there. And if I ever get back to you, which probably will never happen, we'll talk, okay? But just don't get in the way. And so I, I had to learn how to do this. And I had to learn it the hard way. So I, I moved here from San Francisco in my late 20s. And I'd started a couple of churches, one downtown in the city and one in Marin County. And my wife and I at that point, my ex-wife now, we'd been married for about uh, five years. And we had had a really difficult marriage from day one. And at that point, our marriage was hanging by a thread. And I plan planned on planting a, a third church in San Diego, but I realized we'll never make it. So I did what you do when your marriage is struggling. I came to Denver to get a master's degree as a therapist to figure us out. And so I was taking classes, and uh, that was one of the hardest years of my whole life. Uh, I, I don't like gazing at my belly button all day, and my marriage just got worse and worse. The more we tried, the more we got therapy, the worse it got. And so we were separated. And one night, I, one afternoon, I said, hey, why don't we just take a time out from all the, the therapy and all the struggles and the arguments, and let's just go see a movie. And so I took her to a, a theater in Lakewood, a dollar theater, because that's all we could afford. And we watched a Claude Van Damme movie. And they're always very predictable. You know how this goes, right? So Claude, he, he uh, finds some woman in distress, and then he beats up all of her boyfriends and ex-boyfriends, and, and then he wins her over, and then they ride off in the sunset, and they live happily ever after. You've seen this movie, right? It's all he ever does. And, uh, and we got in the car about midnight, and I could just sense that she was comparing me to Claude Van Damme. And how fair is that? Like, what male in this room can be compared to Claude Van Damme and when, okay? Women love him, men fear him, he's built the whole thing, right? So I just, I just asked her, I said, are you by any chance comparing me to Claude Van Damme? And she said, as a matter of fact, I am. And I said, I'm not doing so well, am I? And she was silent. And I stayed silent. Because I sense if I open my mouth, I'll regret everything that comes out of it. And so I dropped her off at our apartment complex, and we had a 115-pound Doberman Pinscher just ripped. I mean, he was beautiful. I threw him in the truck. I go, we're going for a walk, buddy. And I walked for two hours around this lake in Morrison by the golf course, screaming at God, like years of stuffed emotions. I mean, like going back to my childhood, I, I, went, I was like David. I was unhinged for two hours, yelling and screaming at God. And I'd never said a foul word to God in my life, but I, came, I grew up in a German-Irish family, and we're, we're like artists when it comes to cussing, okay? And so I was stringing together things. I was, I was Shakespearean in my cursing, and I, I got so angry. At one point, I started picking up rocks. I actually was picking up rocks and throwing rocks at God as if that was going to hurt him, right? At one point, I was yelling so loud that there was a house about 200 yards away, and a woman opened the door, and she said, can you please shut up? And I yelled back, you shut up, I'm praying. <laughs> and then after two hours, I was worn out. And my, my strapping Doberman Pinscher was about 20 yards behind me, just shaking, just shaking. And I walked to the parking lot, and I thought, I don't know what the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is, but I'm pretty sure I just did it. And I, I got the keys to my Explorer, and I, as I was getting ready to get in the truck, my dog wouldn't come. And this Camaro came in the parking lot, just primer, 
and tinted windows, and I thought, God's going to kill me. <laughs> there are, there's like a, a pack of skinheads in there. They're all going to jump out, and they're just going to kill me. And finally, I got my dog in the truck, and it was just a young couple, you know, teenage couple, uh, whatever. And uh, so I went back, I went back to, to my apartment, and I fell asleep. And I think I slept for like 10 hours at night. I was exhausted. And for three days, I did not talk to God. Now, he may have talked to me, but I wasn't listening. For three days, no communication. And I kind of thought, maybe this is over. Maybe we're done. And on the third day, the day that God tends to bring new life out of death, the day God has a way of creating resurrections, I was walking the golf course there in Morrison, and I was at about the sixth hole. And I was on the green, and I believe the Holy Spirit gave me an image. And the image was of me in front of Jesus, and Jesus was really tall. And so I came to about his sternum, and I was like this little kid, and I was pounding on his chest like a little kid would, just wailing and yelling and crying and weeping. And and eventually, I just ran out of gas like I had three days earlier, and my arms fell down, and he just put his arms around me and pulled me close into his chest as I kept crying. And then I believe he said something over me. He said, you know what, Ron? I can take whatever you throw at me. I can take your anger, your fear, your shame, your hatred. I can take anything. Nothing, nothing will keep me from loving you. And then I went back to our apartment and I was reminded of Revelation 3 where where God spoke to the church of Laodicea, a rich, affluent church, and they'd lost their first love. And he said, I'd rather you be hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I want to spit you out of my mouth. And God taught me that what he wants from me is for me to be hot or cold, but to be brutally honest. He can take my heat. He can take it when I'm cold towards him. And if I'm honest, he can transform my feelings and create a deeper union with me. Amen? Amen. What he can't deal with is when we're emotionally dishonest and we're apathetic, we're lukewarm. And what I've learned since then is when I'm honest with God, and it's not any easier now than it was before, I have to really work at thinking about what am I really feeling and trying to be honest with him. And I often pray dishonest prayers, and then I go, okay, I didn't mean that. I don't really feel that. I have to get down and be honest with him. But when I get there, he, he takes my ugly feelings and my brokenness, and, and he gets beneath the sin and the false self and all the scaffolding and all the, all the stuff that I used to image project on him and other people, and he gets down in, to where my truest self is. You, know, you, can't, you can't find your truest self without being emotionally honest. And he speaks to me there, and, and he calls me out, and I start to emerge, and I become more who I truly am a son of God, the dearly beloved son of God that he declared me to be. Inside every one of us, Richard Rohr says, is an immortal diamond, the part of us that was made to bear the image of God in our own unique way. But we can only get there if we're emotionally honest. So to pray like a child means we pray emotionally honest prayers. He, he wants this from us. He wants to take all our emotions and transform them into resurrection moments. Amen? Okay. Do I have a witness in the room? Okay, okay. Huh. 
To pray like a child means we pray honest prayers. It also means we pray humble prayers. To be a child means to be humble. Children are humble. They, they know they need their parents. In, in James chapter 4, verse 6, it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so God wants us to be humble. But that requires us to have a certain posture in prayer. And, and I think sometimes we have two primary postures. One is the genie posture, and the other is the humble posture. And sometimes you have to just get praying to figure out where you are. But often I'll catch myself treating God like he's Aladdin in my lamp. You ever do this? Where, where, where actually you're like God, and God becomes the servant, and you start, you start asking him for things. And you're really not praying your deepest needs. You're praying your greeds. And you're saying, God, I know what I need. Probably better than you. So let, you just come through for me, okay? Be like Aladdin. Come out of that lamp and do what I want you to do. So I've spent a lot of time praying these kind of prayers. But God does not answer these prayers. In James 4, 3, he says, You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you might spend it on your pleasures. So we, we pray from a place of pride, a place where we think we know what's best for us and the world and all the people around us. God tends to turn a deaf ear to those prayers. But he loves to listen to our humble prayers, which are our childlike prayers. And one of our best gifts that God gives us is, is unanswered prayer. Because unanswered prayer reminds us we're not God. And unanswered prayer, it humbles us. So how many of you have ever prayed a prayer and later you're, you thought to yourself, I am so glad God did not say yes. Hey, man, I've got a bunch of them. I mean, a whole bunch of them. And last week I talked about, if you were here, I talked about how I had this 10-year plan. I had all these big goals and I was, you know, doing this, like lots of genie prayers 10 years ago. God, you know, help me stay in my unhealthy marriage. God, help my church go to five locations, 5,000 people in 10 years. Oh, yeah. A um, bunch of ego stuff, you know, about personal goals and things. Ego, ego, ego. Genie, genie, genie. God didn't answer any of those prayers. In fact, he just said no to all of them. And now I look back and I go, wow, I'm so glad you said no. I, I, I think about my friends who've left the ministry and have been on the cover of papers and stuff. And I go, I might have been one of them. I honestly think I probably would have bought a Harley and uh, maybe got an earring. I don't know. <laughs> I think I'd look good in one. And just turn left on Highway 70 and never come back. I think right now I'd probably be in a trailer by a stream fishing for a living or at least my next meal and dating the waitress from the local honky-tonk. I don't know. I might have had a cat. I mean, it would have been bad. <laughs> I mean, so I'm like, well, I, I think I would have maybe lost it if God would have said yes to all my prayers. Seriously. And I'm so glad he didn't. Because what he's given me is so much better in every way possible. So when we pray childlike, humble prayers, we admit we don't know what's best for us. And sometimes that's really hard because I, I, I can't figure God out. Like I, I pray with some of you outside in the parking lot and you have some really good prayers requests. Like people have cancer, you, know, you want your marriage to turn around, you're praying for a kid who's wayward. I mean, why would God not answer some of these prayers? I don't understand. I don't understand the, how the whole human responsibility and freedom and God's sovereignty, I don't know how that works. But I do know this. Whenever he says no to a prayer, he's always up to something good. And he's always up to something better than we can possibly ever imagine. But it takes the faith of a child to believe that. Childlike prayers are honest, they're humble, they're also grateful. Uh, Jesus tells this story, a parable in, in Luke chapter 17, and he's going through Samaria, which if you were a Jewish person, would be like a Christian going down like the, the primary boulevard in Las Vegas or something. Like you just didn't want to go there. 
And, and people thought ill of you if you did. And, but he, Jesus, he cared about everybody, Jew, Gentile, Samaritan, whatever. And so he was there, and he'd been preaching, and he comes to this village, and on the outskirts of the village, there are 10 lepers, like a little leper camp. And, and leprosy was like the kiss of death back then. It wasn't just a horrible physical malady, but you got cut off from everybody. You lost your family, your job, social standing, everything. And these lepers come to Jesus, and they say, will you please heal us? And, and he did. He healed all 10 of them. And then they went back to their priests, because back in those days, priests were like, they were pastors, but they were also like doctors, and they could tell you if you were well or not. And they confirmed that they were completely healed. But only one of the lepers came back and thanked Jesus for his healing. So when we read parables, we're to ask ourselves, who am I in this parable? Prodigal son. Am I the prodigal son, elder, elder brother? Am I the father? This parable, we're to ask ourselves, are we the one who came back? Or are we the nine who are ungrateful? And for me, it depends on the day. You know, maybe you too. But one of the points of the parable is our Heavenly Father wants us to be grateful. And he wants us to be grateful not because he's a narcissist and he needs, he needs us to thank him for everything he gives us. He, he's like a good parent. Good parents know that, that the worst thing that can happen to their kids is that they grow up to be entitled little ingrates because they're a pain to be around and no one else wants to be around them. But most importantly, entitled ingrates are not very happy, are they? And he doesn't want us to be entitled ingrates. And every day he's blessing us and blessing us and blessing us. In James 1.17, it says, every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, from whom there's no variation or shifting shadow. Every good gift we have has come from our Heavenly Father. And he wants us to thank him because when we thank him, we're happier. And there are mounds and mounds of research that indicate that the people who are happiest and who have the most joy are the people who are most grateful. So let's thank him, shall we? Let's thank him. Charlie Prayer, honest humble, grateful. Okay, how do, we, how do we put this into practice? Well, hopefully you're memorizing the Lord's Prayer, and I have four suggestions for you. First of all, do memorize it, and then when you get to, to verse 11 and you pray for your daily bread, this can be somewhat troubling because, again, most of us, we, we have our daily bread. Um, Jesus was, was preaching to an audience that was living hand to mouth. Every day they needed to find bread. Uh, let's, let's remember that we, we are to share with God our needs, and so let's tell him what we need. We have maybe a conversation that's going to be difficult that day, or maybe we, we have a cold and we want a healing. You know, pray for all the things that we pray for, but let's remember that our greatest need is for the bread of life. Jesus said in John 6, 35, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The bread that every single one of us needs, no matter how affluent you are, is we need the presence of God in our life. Because he and he alone can satisfy the deepest part of our heart. Can I get an amen? Yeah. So let's pray for our deepest needs. And then let's pray for other people. So it says our daily bread, which means us and, and our friends and the people beyond these walls. So we're to pray for other people. And I've confessed a few things already, but I want to confess another thing. I'm not very good at this. So maybe a few times a week, I'll actually pray for you guys. I wish I could say I was a good pastor, prayed for you every single day. But I do pray a few times during the week, and I pray like big generic prayers. I pray for the singles in our church that they will know when to swipe right and when not to. Okay? And I, I pray that you'll be at peace and content and find joy in your singleness. I pray for the married people in our church that their marriages will be life-giving and that they'll do the habits and practices that make marriages good. And I pray for our parents that will set godly goals for our kids that will lead to their happiness and their joy and that they'll be disciples when they leave home. And I pray for leaders and I pray for our staff. 
Um, once a week, I'm trying to pray through a more extended prayer list. And uh, I've actually put that in my calendar because if it's in my calendar, I'll do it. And I pray for extended family. I pray for group leaders and elders. And I pray for our church planners by name. And, and I'm trying to get better at this. I also pray for government leaders, which uh, I would encourage you to do that because the Bible commands us to. It doesn't matter if you like them or not. They need our prayers, right? So make a prayer list. Just start with a few names if you need to, and just, you can extend it over time. And, and then uh, finally, be grateful. You know, think about the things you, you have. The fact you do have daily bread, that's a gift from God. You know, he's put us all in this amazing country, this amazing city. We have amazing wealth. Let's, let's thank him for the, the, the roof of our head. Let's thank him for friendships. Let's thank him also, though, for the things that matter the most. Let's thank him for our salvation, our forgiveness, our hope of eternal life, the fact we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. Let's thank him for the really deep stuff, too. Okay? You up for that? All right. Um, what would a, a message on childlike prayer be without ending with a story about children? Right? My children, to be specific. So uh, if, you're, if you're new here, I have five kids, and I call them my five illustrations. And I got a couple illustrations right here. These are my, my younger two at Christmas time. And man, I am crazy about those two. Nuts about them. And we have a little routine, me and those two little guys. I, um, I come in the back door when I finish my, my work, and I, I walk in, and then Chester comes running from the living room. We have a bungalow, so it's like a straight shot. He just sprints, and he yells, Daddy, 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 Daddy. I love hearing that. And he runs, and I, I pick him up, and then I go into the dining room where Chris is usually working, and I give her a kiss, and then I go in the living room, I pick up Emery, and I bring both of them in the bedroom so I can put on my sweats, and I throw them on the bed. And they know it's about, it's, it's game time. Like, we're going to wrestle, right? And so after I change my clothes, I get in there, and I, I kind of give a little whisker burn. And basically, I do a bunch of stuff that if you saw it, you would turn me into social services. So I start tickling a little bit, and I tickle Chester a little bit, and then Chester gets kind of rambunctious, and then we start to wrestle. And it's full-on MMA, and I'm Conor McGregor, baby. So I throw him in there, and I flip him this way, and then I take him, and I flip him that way. And then he stands up, and I take a pillow, and I go, bam, and he falls across the bed that way. Gets up again, I go, bam, and he falls across the other way. And, and we're laughing at this whole, he actually really enjoys this. And then, and then I, uh, I, I act like he's, you know, I'm wearing out, and I, I lay down, and he gets in my back, and he starts doing body slams. Like he throws his feet straight out and just lands in the middle of my back. It's like having a 25-pound bowling ball. just bam, right in your back. And, and then I start tapping out. I start tapping out. You got me, you got me, you got me. And then we end with a little more tickling, a little more whisker burn, and then we go eat dinner. I love my routine. You know, I, I think that's a really good moment every day for my kids. I think it's an even better moment for me. I mean, it, it meets a deep, deep desire in me. And I believe that when we come to our Heavenly Father like little children and we wrestle with Him over the issues of our lives and our world and we pray childlike prayers, I believe we pour joy into His heart. I believe we put a smile on His face. I, I believe we give Him great delight. And so restoration, I, I want to encourage you this week to pray childlike prayers. Prayers that are honest and humble and grateful. Will you receive this? If so, say amen. Amen, amen. Father, thank you so much that you love us so much. And thank you that you call us your children, your sons and your daughters. And thank you that you, you want us to just run after you every day and throw ourselves into your arms and, and wrestle with you when we're struggling and be honest and humble and grateful. And, and when that happens, we become happier. We receive your joy. We go deeper in you. 
we, we go deeper into our identity in Christ and we bring delight to your heart. May that be our experience and yours this week. In Jesus' name.